Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. All right, everybody, we want to take a second to talk to you about an amazing sponsor. We have an amazing relationship with RayAllen.com. Ray Allen is a one-stop shop for everything dog, not just working dogs. Everything dog that you need, you can go down there, check them out, RayAllen.com. Awesome people. They got everything you need. Another one of our favorite partnerships is with a dog trip. They've been with us from the start. Uh, great collars, great ball poppers, great GPS tracking, big dog, small dog, bark collars, everything. I got everything like that they have at the kennel. We'll use it every day. Be sure to head them up, dogtrip.com. Listen for the discount code later in the episode. Hey, guys, it's going to happen. August 16th through the 19th, HITS is coming back. The HITS Canine Conference in Orlando, Florida, August 16th through the 19th. Get on there. It's the biggest, the best. Check it out. Hitscanine.net. Hitscanine.net. Get registered now. Take the guesswork out of making sure you're feeding your working dog correctly by using Kinetic Dog Food. Hit them up at kineticdogfood.com and look them up on the Instagrams at kineticdogfood. Take all the guesswork out and do it right from the beginning. We love Horizon Structures. Dude, this stuff is so awesome, man. You can get online. You can talk to them. You could build it. You want from mild to wild. They'll come bring it to your place, set it down on your pad, hook up your power, hook up your water, and you can put dogs in it that day. If you don't believe me, check out some guys like uh, Justin Rigney. He's got a great setup there. Ask him. Check him out, horizonstructures.com. All right, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. We're back. Uh, yeah, so we've got a great episode tonight. Uh, I am Ted Summers from Tulsa, Oklahoma, as always. Um, with me is Eric Stambro from Canton, Ohio. Eric, what's going on? Um, currently pet dogs and tattoos, dude. I, I, um, <laughs> I'm every, I'm working on that full suit. My, yeah. uh, I got, um, so I go every Wednesday, yeah. um, and I have right now ha- half the torso done on the left side all the way up in here. That was that was awesome. Um, how, how was that? And for those that can't see us on, if you're not watching on YouTube, like he's rubbing his side, like right under his arm, up on my arm like right under yeah. his ribs. Like that was awesome. The skin that, is super thin. Slightly <laughs> spicy. Um, so, but <laughs> I got to go back Wednesday. Uh, he's going to start spreading out across my stomach and the lower half. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, man, <laughs> the thing is we're, we're hammering it, man. He's, he's banging it out every time, three hours of work. Um, and then <clears throat> it's every Wednesday and he's, uh, hoping to be done at the end of November, but it, I think it's going to go into December because I'm leaving Sunday for Florida yeah. for a week of that wakeboard school yeah. where I will probably die. If I don't die, he'll, he has more work to finish, but. I have a feeling we're, I'm we're calling that Eric does a flip week. Yeah, it, we're we're calling that <laughs> Eric blows his ACLs and Achilles out on yeah, right. I mean, more concussions. That's what I'm guessing. But. Eric blows his flips. <laughs> Eric blows his ACL and gets eaten by an alligator. Uh, so yeah, I've got uh, nothing. We got a shitload of pets. I got a bunch of uh, police dogs. Like all of a sudden, we got a shitload of contracts in for police mm-hmm. dogs for a single purpose and dual purpose and so all of a sudden i'm spending my interns up and i'm like all right well this is how we use dutch boxes and this is what we're doing and so it's been uh i have a couple i have a dog that's really really uh serious mm-hmm. that 
cannot be handled by anybody that I don't trust. And it's going to be not a short road to get him to be handleable. And then I've got a couple that are like, you know, like whatever, um, you know, they're, they're going to be dual purpose, but they're going to be uh, handleable by whoever. And so, uh, yeah, we got a bunch of pets. Um, I have a wiener dog right now. That is fantastic. And hmm. he is a ninja. So his other housemate is also a ninja uh, is also a wiener dog and was was like terrible was one of the worst dogs to fucking train ever it was just a fucking dickhead just what just an asshole like he was literally he i mean you could train him and he would do something and you could tell he could under like you understand what he he understood what i was asking him to do and he knew it and he was like no i'm just not gonna do it today and he would sit there and lean against the leash i literally tied him to a kettlebell I tried him to do a 53 pound kettlebell for three hours and he leaned on a leash for three hours. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I wanted to do was get on a fucking, I wanted to get on a place and he finally got on a place and he was like, all right, fine. And then he was, and he was cool. But I mean, he sat there and leaned on it for hours and hours and hours. So his housemate is here and he, he is much less of an asshole. His name mm-hmm. is Theo. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, as soon as yeah, I get back from Florida, I got to load up. I got to hit, get load the kennel with, um, working dogs you know i i liked the fact i took all of october off for those of you who hadn't heard that i yeah. took all of it off from working dogs um to get the pet business to do some stuff but <clears throat> i miss it of course <clears throat> i had a pet seminar at my facility at the police facility over the weekend and um i hadn't really been in there very much so i was given the tour everything and i was like yep i'll be spinning up here pretty soon getting that going i have 12 contracts i think to fulfill oh between now and january so that's not bad so uh what do we get one or not all right so um well i get a nasty itch okay i gotta read i gotta read this bio from my phone um <laughs> so i'm gonna jump around here a little bit but um so our tonight's guest is a 20-year retired combat veteran of the united states air force he completed his career in the Air Force as a military working dog program manager for 12 military units. Um, while he was in the active duty, uh, some of the highlights, he was a Department of Defense military working dog trainer, kennel master, unit trainer, pre-deployment canine team instructor, and special tactics member instructor. Uh, he retired from the military in 2013. He, uh, We'll talk about this tonight, but he did... Um, various things on the private side for um, uh, private security companies. I would assume a lot of that overseas and uh, various roles that included threat protection, security specialist, uh, emergency response team member, canine handler, kennel master, and training director. So he's pretty deep into it. Um, When he got out uh, of the um, private contracting world, he was employed by the Department of Homeland Security's National Explosive Detection Canine Team Program, which I'm anxious to hear about that. I, I don't ever think I've seen that acronym, N-E-D-C-T-P. Um, during his time, he served as unit canine trainer and supervisor of canine operations for 11 TSA passenger screening canine teams uh, at the Denver airport. Uh, in 2018, he left federal service to pursue other opportunities within the canine industry for the past 25 years, he's been instructing law enforcement, military, special operations personnel, private military contractors. Uh, he is currently the founder and consultant at Olive Branch Canine, 
uh, co-owner of Old Republic of Canine Apparel Company. And he also serves as a, a special operations canine training advisor for USASOC. Uh, our guest tonight is Antonio A-Rod Rodriguez. Uh, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Appreciate the opportunity. And I'm blessed to be uh, put in a position to where we can discuss anything that you all want to mm-hmm. <laughs> internally, externally, and um, I'm excited. Yeah, we've had, <clears throat> excuse me, we've had a lot of military guys on lately and I love it. Um, the, you know, I was a canine handler and trainer in, in law enforcement for a long time. And um, so I like to talk to guys from the more of the military side at some point, even though it's you know, a lot of it's similar, but um, we're really glad we could get this uh, figured out and get you on there. Um, I have seen uh, your olive branch canine stuff. You're, you seem to be doing more on the Instagram side, getting it out there, getting it really getting it going. So it's showing up a lot more. Um, but let's start. What we usually do is that we like to start at the beginning, uh, like where you're from, where you grew up, oh, absolutely. how you got in the military and kind of where we are from there. <clears throat> All right, man, to break this down for you. Um, so I, I'm actually, um, I grew up in, in Michigan in uh, Adrian, Michigan. That's where I was born and raised, uh, but I have a lot of connections in Texas. So everything that I do, I did moving forward with uh, from, with Alla Branch Canine and Old Republic of Canine Workwear. It has a lot of connection to Texas. So um, I'm the the result of, uh, of uh, the the product of uh, of a veteran uh, community within the Hispanic community, within the Mexican community. So my parents uh, were migrant workers, and they uh, they they worked in Michigan, you know, uh, doing things in Michigan, picking crops, and so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, my connection to Michigan is, is that my my parents actually, after my 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 father left the Marine Corps they moved to Michigan and he worked in the automotive industry. So I have a lot of connections to the um, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana area. Uh, And then I joined the military in uh, 1993 and joined the air force and, uh, and then moved forward. But that's kind of where where the uh, genesis of my life began and my, uh, you know, my connection with, you know, just, the dog community and moving forward. And so it's, it's just been a good, great experience. So, um, being an Ohio guy myself, uh, we're very familiar with this up here. Did you ever, uh, ask your parents, why, why do we live in freezing ass Michigan? <laughs> do you ever, that question oh, ever come out? Of course I did. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> of course cold. I did. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> But the, the best the best explanation I ever got out of that was just like, hey, you know what? We lived here and we worked here uh, for a majority of our life, and you know it, it's just been a great experience for them, just living in the Ohio Valley and uh, Michigan area and Indiana area. So those those were always always the re- the responses that I ever got. So yeah, got to go where the work is, right? Yeah, you got to go where the work is, man. 
So talk about your uh, entry into the military, uh, how, how that went and what you did leading up to okay. getting into dogs. So in 1993, I joined, I joined the Air Force. My father was in the Marine Corps, and uh, he just said, like, no, I, I, I'm not necessarily committed to you going into the Marine Corps. And I, I was just, like, adamant, man, you know, just like a, the obnoxious kid, you know, at 17, 16 years old, 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, you know, they, they wanted me to, like, pursue a, a better educated, you know, response to everything they ever done in their entire life. You know, again, you know, migrant workers living in Michigan, living in the Ohio Valley. And so uh, my dad was just like, now I want you to like get a better opportunity for yourself. And I said, just like, no, I want to go in the Marine Corps, just like you did. <laughs> so, yeah. so he's just like, no, I, I want you to do something better for yourself, kiddo. So um, so I wrestled in, uh, in high school and I had a partial scholarship to Texas state university at one point. And then, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm probably just going to end up going down there to Texas and doing something reckless. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I chose, I chose the air force because I thought that was the better, um, you know, kind of a, uh, intermediate, intermediate compromise to the whole conversation. And so I joined the air force. And then I, I never turned back from there. I, I really didn't. I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, I actually uh, uh, had the opportunity to work with a lot of great professionals within the Air Force over my 20-year career uh, within the special tactics community and, um, you know, the dog community. And, and, then, and then I started segueing everything I did in the security forces, which is the equivalent to the military pre the police career field. Um, I segued my ambition into uh, to to the dog the dog training community. Um, so in nineteen the year nineteen ninety nine, I was selected to go to the canine school at uh, Lackland Air Force Base, the Department of Defense, uh, you know, dog training school, and uh, and then you know that that's. That's where I went from there. So you know, basically, you got there, and it sounds like uh, not not never left, but in in theory, kind of never left. We're tied into that program <laughs> for the whole time. Yeah. Um, in nine, so that early ninety ninety nine, the um, Air Forces, you know, they had dogs, and but a lot of a lot of them didn't. How was it? Did you have any interaction prior to that with the dog units that you were like, hey, man, that's pretty cool. So, uh, there's an interesting story that I, I would like to this this uh, discuss. Like, you know, when I, prior to that time period, it was all golf wars type stuff. I think we can all agree. Like, do, the golf war era was kind of just like a, like uh, there wasn't really anything going on. We were doing a lot of things, you know, internationally uh within the uh uh you know the application of dog assets and security across the world and um so i was deployed to uh, prince sultan air base in saudi arabia back in 1994 and this was post uh 
you know, JTF type operations in Panama and all that stuff. Uh, so I was deployed there and I was just like, you know, I saw these dog handlers coming through the checkpoints and, you know, doing all these things to provide force protection operations in that area in the Middle East. I was just like, man, I'm like, I could do that. I'm like, that's legit. And so that kind of sparked a, a, you know, an interest in me to, to seek that out and seek those people that were kind of within that realm of dog training stuff. But before that, I was just like totally engulfed in all this other stuff. I mean, I was stationed at Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana, and uh, we did like, um, you know, nuclear, you know, uh, tactical recovery operations and all that stuff. So, you know, it, it was just like a, re- a lot of sexy stuff going on at that time with, you know, the application of uh, uh, tactical, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, like SWAT team operations to recover nuclear weapons and assets. So I'm just like, you know, I was just looking for my next thing to do. So I was, it, the dog stuff was very appealing to me. So that's kind of the genesis of where that occurred. Anytime I hear somebody say that they were stationed out, you know, with the nuclear weapons and all this stuff, one of my buddies that I worked with at the police department, he got out of basic in the Air Force. They said, you're headed to Cheyenne, uh, Wyoming, where there's a uh, mm-hmm. girl behind every tree, and he gets out there. There's no fucking trees, so he was like, "That was horrible." <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, yeah. So he says, all he ends up doing is gluing quarters to the floor to screw with dudes in the in the guard shack and confiscating beer. But uh, you know, that was about that about the ninety early nineties, uh, like ninety two, ninety three, probably the same for him. So you get, um, yeah. yeah. When you get in there at that that canine program, I'm sure it's like anything like that. It's a it can be an eye opener, and it's a um, I I would say it's a lot like drinking from a fire hose because it's so much information. Was there any? Did you ever have any doubts of yourself there, or how you're doing, or were you like, no, I this is where I need to be? Okay, so drinking from a fire hose is the exact, um, you know this view of how that, that comes into play in, in the Department of Defense. I mean, whether you're a Marine, you know, Navy, um, Navy, uh, 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 no, 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 Navy SEAL, it's a, uh, what do they call it? Uh, Master of Arms, MAs. They're yeah. MAs. Master yeah. of Arms, yeah, MA, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I was figuring it MA or security forces or uh, army MP. So it is like truly drinking through a water hose. So um, I, I, I definitely got to put this out. Whole disclaimer. You know, I, I didn't know what I was getting into. I really did it because it was just a very convoluted environment and how uh, one, you know, how do you handle a dog? How do you train a dog um, and how do you apply that dog in an operational context, whether you're a Marine, uh, a Navy MA, or you're a, you know, you're an Army MP. Those are very like specific genres, you know, coming into the time period that I was coming into it. But you got to, we, we really have to look at what happened 
in 2001. You know, 9-11 just completely changed the application of what we do in the industry. And I was before that, but it was just like very, it was a genesis of understanding how we apply a dog in certain environments. And it was just like, it was mind blowing, man. It really was just, it was just like trying to understand like how to use this dog to, to protect an airbase, how to use this dog to interdict, um, you know, narcotics on your installation, how to use this dog to save people's lives. So the, all those things were kind of swimming around in my mind at the time. And actually I was, um, I was selected to go to the 820th uh, Security Forces Group, which is like kind of an elite unit in the United States Air Force in the security forces domain. But, but I was like counter, I was like convinced like other, other people, the instructors came to me and just like, hey, do you want to stay here and train dogs? And I said like, well, I don't know, man, cause, because I really want to go to this unit. And they said like, well, it's your choice. You know, you can either go to this unit and do which do that, or you can stay here and train dogs. And um, I stayed there and trained dogs. So after I graduated the DOD canine school, I stayed at Lackland Air Force Base and started training dogs. And, um, you know, whether it was a misstep or not, but I learned a lot there, but I started to understand um, what it took to um, to kind of apply the initial um, you know mechanisms to train dogs, whether it was uh, nose work, apprehension work, tracking, trailing, all that stuff. So uh, I was very fortunate, but I was young and dumb, and and I I made that decision. So um, I, you know I. I never would like regret that decision. What year was that? When you, when you got asked to stay for that the was, uh, um, that was, uh, 2000. No, well, no, no, 1999, 1999. So, so right now, yep. if you're there, 1999, you're learning the way they do things. You're, you're applying it to the dogs. If, um, if yep. they called you and said, Hey, come back here to Lackland for the next couple months and update us on changes and different things, the way to do some things, what would you talk them into trying to change, uh, from 2000? Like if they were still doing the exact same thing. No, well, they're, they're not doing the exact same thing. Um, I've been back there at least three times. Um, I've developed a great relationship with that community and I appreciate everything that that community has done for me in the last uh, 20 plus years. So I've, um, I've actually been back there in the last two years with my current position as a special operations training advisor uh, for the canine program. Uh, and we've developed a great relationship with them. We have um, the DOD is an entity that is uh, misunderstood, and um, I appreciate their all their efforts, and I appreciate that they've actually reached out to us several times to say like, "Hey, we have these dogs. 
that are not capable to meet it in our specific program, do you have an outlet for that? And um, because of those relationships that uh, I've been able to develop over the last 20 years and super fortunate, super fortunate that across the use of stock program that we've had those conversations and um, super motivated, motivated to embrace those opportunities that we can do that because that, that program is, I would, it's flourishing, uh, but I think it is discounted in a lot of ways. I really do. Um, so what, with all the different things you've been doing, um, with it, with the kennel manager, the program managers, this and that of all of it, what is your favorite part? My favorite part is, um, really looking at like how we deal with the industry, like the, the industry is developed in application, the military industry with con- conventional working dogs, special operations dogs. We are at the cusp. I feel like we're at the cusp of like super pushing in this stratosphere, man. Like there are so many people that are doing so many great things in every genre of working of the working dog community. And I really appreciate that there is an evolution in moving forward with the way people think about dog training. And that's what I really enjoy. The, the, thing, the things that I, I take away from the things that I've done for the last 20 plus years is, is just killing your ego. I really feel like killing your ego and just like, just like, like really just like listening to other people and what they have to offer is, is the main conjecture and about how we move forward in, in police dog work, special operations dog work, uh, search and rescue work, conventional military work across every genre of, of, the application of how we train dogs and how we can benefit from that as a community. I really think that that is a true benefit in the core competence of what we need to do across the board. So at what point, like <clears throat> you're in the air force and you see these guys come through as like force protection and stuff. So when did, um, at the point that you're getting involved in the program uh, back at Lackland, um did you start like did they did they have you start like with the whole ammo can thing <laughs> and you had to babysit the ammo what? can or like or did you start from the whole like, no man <laughs> so no, you, didn't, have, you didn't you didn't have the, to like oh my first dog was an ammo can you no. didn't do that no no <laughs> um no no my first my first dog my first dog was a a bucket so oh, before the ammo can, even better it was, it was a bucket <laughs> it was it was a fucking bucket no, of water no, and if you no, spelled I, it <laughs> no no yeah. no it was like a bucket it, they used to use the um i can't remember what what dog food that was it was like um it was it was like a five gallon five gallon uh bucket um it was a plastic bucket 
So before the ammo can, it was the bucket. So all these guys <laughs> talking about the ammo can, that was post-generation me, man. <laughs> oh, so man. That, that was... Before uh, they... So, yeah. So <laughs> it, 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 was, it was like a plastic bucket. So, yeah. So that was a real thing. It was. It was. But you know Would what? Would you name you know, it? Are take, you supposed to name it? <laughs> Yes. I can name him yes. Chonk or yes. well, I say Chonk. I'm sure. <laughs> what, what, whatever you wanted to name him. All right. But the, but there was value to that, man. There was there was really value to that in, in the most um, organic sense because it was just like you know you got to understand like you know I'm sure you guys are like been involved with like like a lot of different uh, you know it's it's just like you got to like apply the basic fundamentals of, you know, before you get to the dog, you got to like learn the mechanics. Mm. So, so across the board, I think everybody understands that before you get to the dog, you got to understand the mechanics. So I break, I break things down into three principal things. The, uh, the, the mechanics of working dogs, the science of working dogs and the, the art of working dogs. So I always break that down into that, that, that type of uh, understanding about, you know, the, the dog thing for training. So when you get in there in 1999, um, what uh, was the makeup of the breeds when you were there? In 1999, uh, well, the Belgian Malinois, obviously, because I love the Malinois. Uh, Dutch Shepherds, uh, Tavernes, uh, Grenadilles. Oh, I, I probably even say that incorrectly. Fluffy um, Malinois. That's that what was I call really them. about it. Yeah. Lock it, lock it. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. um, Lake and, Wallace, and, then, yeah, and then German the Shepherds. One. Yeah, yeah. And then German Shepherds. But that was it. But that, I mean, there were so many different, like, that was like the, uh, the, the cutoff, man. There were so many different, like, interesting, like, breeds before that like the century dogs mm -hmm. that were that were awesome and phenomenal for their application during that time i mean you're looking at like you know uh pre-vietnam era you know just century type dogs that were just like just man eaters and that were just like you know but yeah we i, I never dealt with those no at all yeah when i um I was working at a small police department before I got hired at the one I ended up retiring from. And uh, it was like 1994 or five. And uh, one of the canine, the, the one canine handler had a big German shepherd, but he had these Belgian Malinois never heard. Now I, again, was not a, a dog guy growing up or anything like that. Uh, had these Belgian Malinois and in Ohio. There was not a lot, man, like not a lot of places that were using them. Um, so a couple of years later, you're, you're there and they got, you know, they got all those types of breeds. So they were definitely ahead on that whole deal. Um, so you get in there, they're going to ask you to stay, you stay, decide instead of go to that other place. Um, yeah, you right, right. So what did that look like? It was, it just a, um, conveyor belt next dog, next dog, next dog, next dog, next dog, or, or how would they have you do? So man, I was super lucky. So I went into that that time period within the uh, Department of Defense 
working dog program that they were like, man, I cannot discount the influences that I had during that time frame. I mean, we had guys that are just doing so that they're doing phenomenal within the can industry right now. I mean, uh, Chris Jacobin, I mean, he was like my mentor, um, you know, uh, guys that were just like doing like great things. Uh, uh, Stuart Hilliard was like one of my biggest mentors during that time period. I mean, it was like a lashing. It was just like you, it was like feast or famine, man. You either go into there and do what you got to do and make yourself who you are, or it was just like nothing. You're not coming out of that. But it was a different time, a different generation within that institution. And I, I applaud it to this day because it made me and it gave me the opportunity to look at different things and to accept different things. So there was like certain situations where like this guys would just like show up just like, what, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> and it was just like, it was just like, what are you doing with that dog? But it, so the best way to explain the de- Department of Defense, uh, you know, that whole process, it's, it's the Costco of the dog industry. But however, comma, Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that there are a lot of people there that are doing some great things then. And there were a lot of people that were doing the great things when I was there because I busted my ass, man. I mean, I would catch dogs. I would, I would catch dogs easily 20 dogs in one day, multiple sessions of catching bite dog work. You're just doing bite dog work. And it was just, it was just a slain. And if you think about San Antonio in the middle of July, mm-hmm. it is hot. It is hot and brutal. And I was catching dogs, dude, easily, 20 dogs a day, easily, just on a sleeve, in a bite suit, whatever the, whatever the case may be. But we were putting in work, man, back in those days. And, um, all those guys that I worked with back in those days, Orlando Nunez, Chris Jacobin, um, you know, again, Stuart Hilliard, uh, we were just like, we were just pumping out dogs, man. But we, we, we were invested in producing or to make mediocre dogs at best. <laughs> mm. we, were, we were invested in making mediocre dogs at best, but we were trying to invest in and just put out a good product. So that that genre between 1999 and 2004, man, those were the best days of my military career in the Air Force, truly. So uh, before we take our first break, what were you doing on 9-11? What was your job there and what changed the very next day? Basically, I would think. Okay, so I was still working dogs on 9-11. And then um, I was actually assigned. <clears throat> Man, I really have, uh, apologize for getting emotional. That's all right. On that on that day, I was. Uh, 
I was doing, um, so I did, uh, my additional duty was doing, um, um, we did burials for, uh, honor guard for the United States Air Force on Lackland Air Force Base. So on that day, I was actually ironing my blues because I was getting ready to do a burial on Fort Sam on that day. Wow. But that was my additional duty. So I was, um, so no, I was assigned to the dog training program at the DOD, but I, um, I was also as an attachment to, um, to the honor guard program for Lackland Air Force Base. And we were assigned on that day to uh, bury a veteran on Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. So that's where I was. I was ironing my blues to um, go to a burial on Fort Sam Houston. And we actually, because that happened, we actually had to jump. We actually, the entire post on Fort Sam Houston was completely shut down. We actually, the guys that I was doing, that was working with to do the burial, we actually had to jump the like it was like a three foot wall to get on the other side to go into the cemetery to actually do um the respective burial for that air force better so that's where i was on 9-11 that's crazy that's a that's a real touching story um all right we're gonna go ahead and take our first break we get back uh we're just gonna kind of keep progressing the timeline till till we get to present day but um yeah, uh, I like to hear it. we were we were crushing our doing our best to put and putting out mediocre dogs or whatever it was you said that was pretty good. This, this is my fucking life. Yes, yeah. right. Yes, <laughs> yes. It didn't suck. So, all right, we'll be right back. Hits Canine Training Conference. This is America's premier canine training seminar, packed to the brim with the world's best instructors and me and Eric. All covering important topics. There's no better place to learn and no better place to network with other handlers, breeders, and trainers. HITS 2022 is being held in Orlando, Florida this year, August 16th through the 19th. And I know how you guys are. Everybody waits the last minute. And in the post-Rona world, everybody's training budgets are being cut and everybody's deciding whether they're going to be able to get to go or not. So don't wait because they're not going to have an infinite number of spots. And the price goes up after a certain date. So get signed up as soon as possible. It's in Orlando. We'll see you there. Be sure to hit them up. Hits K9, letter K number nine dot net. One of the best relationships we have in this podcast and in this industry is with the great people down at Kinetic Dog Food. The story of Kinetic uh, Performance Dog Food is pretty simple. They wanted to make a better premium dog food for the dogs that need it the most. Their goal is to give every working and sporting dog a higher energy level better performance, and better overall health through superior nutrition. So they formulated a line of food based on what they consider to be the optimal profile of a performing of performance dog. They've done tons of research on this. This isn't their first rodeo. These guys know what they're doing. If you're a kennel, they will come to your kennel. They will see the problems that you have. They will check out what works for the dogs that you have. Um, they're amazing people to work with. They drop ship a pallet right to you if you want. Um, I know a lot of guys that use them. There's a bunch of different formulas on there. And uh, 32K might not be for your dogs. Maybe the 26K uh, works. They can adjust it. They'll give you the right ideas what to do in different parts 
of the year. Winter's different than summer. It's uh, it's really a well-run, good dog food um, company, kineticdogfood.com. Be sure to check them out on social media too, man. They're, they're amazing folks, kineticdogfood.com. By now, you've probably all heard my story at least once. I'm usually getting tagged by dogs or hurting myself. So this next product is like near and dear to me because I actually use it. Uh, Quick Turn by Vet Care. It does great for keeping small things from turning into big ones. I use it at the kennel for uh, clients' dogs that have some issues with skin stuff or have food allergies or have environmental allergies. Works great. Keeps hot spots from making giant hot spots. And it keeps my working dogs who inevitably find magnificent ways to hurt themselves from turning it into a giant vet visit. Stops little issues from becoming big ones. So it comes in a spray, it comes in an ointment, it comes in a dressing. It's great for creating a protective barrier and promoting mood healing. You really only have to use it like once a day. So there's no reason not to have it in the vehicle. Since it's temperature stable, you don't got to worry about it getting hot, getting cold or anything like that. So put it in your first aid kit or put it in your cabinet. Vetcare.us on the internet. Quick Derm by Vetcare on, the inter- on Instagram and on Facebook. And then hit them up with the discount code one zero WDR for 10% off your first order. So my entire time that I was a handler or a trainer in law enforcement, the cars at my department in the departments that I trained all had American aluminum accessory kennels in the cars, different cars, man, Dodge chargers, all Ford models, some Chevys, uh, SUVs, cars, everything. We loved American aluminum accessories. Um, it's a great, product a great company they've been serving uh canine law enforcement community for over 20 years if you check out their uh, website ez that's the letter z ezrideronline.com they got testimonials they got videos on how to they got a list of everything they have uh just today we made a post on the working dog radio social media showing a dog that survived a really bad crash because of the american aluminum kennel in the back of the car Check them out online, guys. Easyrideronline.com. Just let them do their thing, man. Whatever car you got for your work, your patrol car, get a hold of them, American Aluminum Accessories, and get the best in the business. Next up comes uh, training courses online from our friends down at Highland Canine Training, Jason and Aaron Ferguson. So in the post-Rona world, uh, training budgets have been getting cut. People aren't going to be able to travel, whether it be instructors or they be canine handlers and supervisors going somewhere else for training. So Highland has announced a lot of online training courses. One of those that sticks out to me is their police supervisor canine course. And it's no secret that one of the problems with canine tends to be some of the supervision issues. This course is specifically designed for administrators and covers utilization as well as liability and FLSA issues. The course can be taken at your convenience and you'll receive a certificate of completion at the end. When you go to Tactical Police Canine Training, that's letter K number nine, training.com, and use the discount code WDR30, you'll get 30% off of that course. All right, everybody, we are back, Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, check out our sponsors. If you guys fast forwarded through the commercials, uh, check the show notes for the discount codes and everything. We got some great sponsors. Please yes. check those people out. Please. Um, they, is we have ama- amazing sponsors of this podcast. We're really, we're really fortunate. So, like everybody in that we've talked to that was in dogs uh, on 9-11, talk about, you know, so you guys are busy. Your guys are down there pumping out as many dogs as you can. But I am sure after 9-11, the production request, the uh, 
the need for dogs probably what what tripled quadrupled do you think oh oh it completely accelerated completely accelerated did they give you more people or was it just you guys still trying to pump all those dogs out? i mean it, it has to get overwhelming at times so the interesting thing was at that time period is that like uh and it kind of segues into my current you know you know position is that you had you know every genre of the military community that was trying to forecast like what are our needs we need to put paws and boots on the ground and uh within the conventional forces special operations forces how do we make this happen so there was like a, a rush to make this happen because as you guys know man you know the nose knows you know it, it, it just makes it happen so uh you know, there, there was like a ebb and flow of just like, how do we get these dogs on the ground, whether it was in Afghanistan or Iraq or in the, you know, the Horn of Africa to uh, protect, you know, our national interests and U.S. forces abroad. So it was, um, it was, it was very challenging, you know, there's no way to explain it even better. Like if anybody could have done it better, if any, anybody could have done it worse or if it could have been more, you know, uh, efficient or effective, but it was just like, you know, it was just like a, you know, a full core press, man. You know, you got, you, you got to get those dogs out there. You got to get the, the assets out there to, to do the job. It, 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 it's not a dismay to like anything that you got to do, you know, in a, in a domestic capacity. I mean, you look at, you know, what we're dealing with now, you know, just getting the right assets in the right place, whether it's law enforcement, you know, federal entities, it's just getting the right assets where you need them to detect and to apply the appropriate mechanisms to, to make the, the public safe. So were you guys able to, um, with the with the push and the big increase, were you guys able to stay true to the tech, the the process and the techniques, or did you find you were pushed so much that you had to take a shortcut here and there, or modify, or things that you got had to get like insanely creative? How did that whole work out? Oh come on, man! You know. You know, dog training is like, you know, it's an art science and uh, it's a mechanic. So, you know, we, we draw from, from every mechanism. I mean, it's just like the, the dogs that they use in the, you know, retriever dogs and, you know, the bird dogs and all that stuff. We, we harness those mechanisms to apply certain components of that to, to, to make the dogs better to detect threats so it absolutely you know it, it was like i said it was a full court press use every asset that we had every whatever it was like civilian or any genre within the dog training community to leverage those capacities to uh, make our dogs better to protect 
U.S. forces, um, civilians. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was, that's what happened. Hmm. Definitely. During that time so, period. So you were part of a program that I hadn't really, well, not really, but I hadn't heard of it at all. And neither had Eric, but it's the NEDCTP. <laughs> The National Explosive Detection Canine Team Program. So um, it's part of the HSI or Homeland Security thing. And so talk a little bit about that. Like after you get like kind of fast forward through some of the stuff and um, you get out of the private contracting side, you come back to the government side and you're working with the NEDCTP. And what is that program about? That program basically is a uh, a plug or a segue into the Department of Homeland Security and the TS Transportation Security uh, Administration program. So all that means is it's just a fancy, like a uh, like a, a overarching program that explains how the domestic capacities to interdict um, explosives within the transportation realm. Um, how the, how can assets are applied to that? Now the NEDTCP program uh, covers uh, other aspects of that, but it it's with what I was involved with was exclusively for the TSA program. So um, that that's all that means. It's it's just a bunch of like acronyms and and, well, yeah, and catchphrases that yeah that yeah famous for yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. when that, you're that, in that's the... all that is man but it's all the all the same realm but really what it involved is the passenger passenger screening canines for the tsa so, program that's where i'm headed now so at this point in time like that's all part of the whole like tsa program for passenger screening mm-hmm cargo screening and all that kind of stuff. So there's an entire like apparatus set up and everything else. So what part did um, you guys and your agency or your group play in that whole process? So when I was still contracting in Iraq, when I was still the um, man, I had like, you know, I was super blessed to, to surround myself with a lot of, a lot of people that had a lot of influence in that program, but I was still contracting in Iraq for the state department. And I was, um, approached. I'm like, Hey man, um, you know, we have a really good program within the TSA program. If you want to come over and like, you know, it's a federal position and, uh, makes, makes it appealing to a lot of people. And I was just like, you know what? I don't want to spend the ent- my entire <laughs> my entire uh, retirement life or afterlife, you know, contracting overseas. So it was very appealing to me to uh, to seek out uh, opportunities within the federal um, system. And um, so so I was um, I got hired as a uh, handler initially for the passenger screening program for uh, TSA, which falls under the uh, NADTCP program within the Department of Homeland Security. And, um, and then I was able to progress after I was already hired to a supervisory position and also a training position 
Well, it was that was kind of an ad hoc because they knew my background with training dogs, but I was um, able to to move up to a supervisory position at Denver Denver International Airport in Colorado. Um, I am very impressed by the dedication of the guys down there in San Antonio that are able to train these dogs to detect that. They're they are phenomenal, and I uh, you know. As I got into that program and I was able to, full disclaimer, I had no idea what that program was involved with. I, I had no, like, I don't know what that entails I'd, at that time period. I'm like, dude, like I can find guys, I can like send dogs to train dogs to bite people without, you know, unexposed equipment. I can do all this stuff, but, you know, and detect explosives in the ground and all this stuff. But this is a new thing for me. So I had to humble, my, humble myself for that time period and understand, like, there are other guys out here that are doing this, that have been doing it for years, that have the m- more expertise in this genre or this, or this domain of detection work. And so, man, I really just like, dude, this is on you. I, I'm like, I'm going to sit back and watch. I want to learn from you guys. And it was a very yeah, humbling experience because it's super it gave cool, me the huh? opportunity <laughs> to like, yeah, it's super cool. <laughs> Watching, gave, yeah. <laughs> it, it gave me the opportunity to just like, look back and just like, man, these guys know what they're doing. And I was like really impressed, but the, the training aspect of it. So now you segue the training aspect of it, those main components and you try to apply it in operational context. So there, there are, I am not saying that there are any missteps, but I am very impressed. I was always very impressed at the beginning genesis of how that works. And, um, but, you know, that was my life, man. Yeah. So when I, left, <laughs> when I left Iraq and I started getting involved in the TSA program, I was just like, man, I'm just going to eat this up. And I'm just like, I'm going to shovel that stuff into my mouth. And just eat it up because you guys are the experts. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna eat it up because we're learning. Yeah. So so back yeah, up real exactly, quick. When, exactly. When, when you got out and got into the um, contracting stuff, did they did they hire you? Because it looks like from the bio that you did, you had a lot of different hats in those contracts. Did you have to have all those? Did they hire you to be the emergency response person and a canine or? Or did canine come afterwards? We talked to, um, I think it was Dustin okay. Wynn was saying when he did some contracting stuff, he got picked because he had um, the personal, the uh, bodyguard stuff or the personal protection or threat assessment stuff. The canine has right. added addition to it. What did that look like? Um, so when I was still, so, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to like, like back the, back to train off the tracks, man. But mm-hmm. in 2013, uh, a guy named Paul Brown, he is like a very influential person in a company um, called SOC. Mm-hmm. So I felt like when I was still active duty, uh, Paul Brown, he's, he's, he's a, a great mentor to me. Um, so he, I, I felt like he was kind of grooming me when I was still active duty. So he just wanted me to like when when I was still I was an E eight in the Air Force and he was just like man 
I don't, I don't know. We had like several conversations, uh, but he was just like, he was like, Hey man, I want you to come work for my company, blah, 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 this and that, you know, we're in Iraq, we're doing all this stuff, blah, blah, this and that. So when I left the military in 2013, when I retired, I was, I, I had full ambitions of like just moving forward and just growing the business that I had at the time, which was Olive Branch K9. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, you know, life happened, you know, and by the grace of God, you know, we move forward we do things, you know, reckless or convoluted. Um, so I moved out to California for a little bit and, you know, just to be closer to my daughters and um it 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 just didn't work out man and it just didn't work out to to grow uh the business that i wanted to at the time um but this guy paul brown was just like hey man you know i got jobs in iraq you can come contract for me whatever the case would be and it it was appealing at the time and so i jumped on the contracting boat Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term and um but you know what Paul always treated me good and he was like straightforward with me. And to this day, SOC, I don't care what anybody says about him was the best company I've ever worked for in the contracting world. And, um, so he picked me up and just said like, Hey man, this is what's going on. I had a job for you as a kennel master or trainer, but that's not exactly going to work out because they were just kind of just moving positions away. And then lack of a better term, those jobs didn't exist anymore. So he's just like, I need, like, I can get you into, into a higher protection position, but I need your resumes and all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, all right, man, I did this, 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 and this, and I sent it to him. He's just like, hey, man, you might be a fit for doing this hyper protection stuff. And I'm just like, okay, well, push it forward. He's like, he's like, if, if, if it works out, we'll get you in there, and then we can move you over eventually into a uh, training position or a handler position. I was just like, let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it. So um, fortunately, that's kind of how it worked out. Like I was able to get into a position that was um, – exclusively for high threat protection and, um, uh, you know, emergency response operations in Iraq for, uh, for the state department. So that's, that's how that played out. And then I, that was like the, the Genesis when I, it segued into like, Hey, you work for the company. We're going to get you into this other position as a handler and then trainer and the training director, kettle master. So that was kind of like how that started. But man, none of that stuff would have ever happened if I never would have had that conversation with Paul Brown, which was in like in 2013, like right before I got out of the military. Never. That shit would have never happened because he was just like, he kept up with me over the years. And uh, even when I was in California and he just said like, hey man, are you interested? Are you interested? He kept kind of digging at me. And I'm just like, yeah, man, I don't think it's the right time, but it it just happened to work out. So, if you would have stayed at SOC, would you gonna have to move to West Virginia? <laughs> no, I would have yes. never moved to West Virginia because you know why? Because I told him, I said, dude, 
the biggest mistake I made, like in this whole process, was moving to California. But I would never moved. I would have never moved from Texas. Texas was just like my my default. Yeah. So you know, as long as I stay in this job here in Colorado, I love my job. I have a great support system here in Colorado, and I'm just waiting for our twin daughters to kind of leave, you know, just kind of grow up. Mm-hmm. We're moving back to Texas, man. Yeah, nice. definitely, man. That's, 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 I love Texas. So. Yeah. SOC is about, <laughs> um, I think it's about a five hour drive for me for something like that. I've been down there. Uh, they were giving away dogs at one point. So I went and got like five dogs from them. But dude, there ain't shit around that place, man. Around that building, there ain't, no, there's well, one restaurant I found. That's it. <laughs> it was good. No, they're not because because all those all those uh, all those companies work around that area, Winchester, and um, the, 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 it's just like a big hub. Mm-hmm. You know, Garter World, and you know they they just kind of conglomerate in that area. Oh, I'm I'm not hating, man. I'm just like uh, whatever. Yeah. But but they always treat me good. They always treated me good. And on the record, the best boss I ever had was a guy named Howard Cotton. Howard Cotton was which was a Navy MA man. He was my uh he was the uh the boss in uh, well he was the director of operations at SOC for the canine program in Iraq. But he was like by far the best nice. boss I've ever had on the on the military side and the civilian side. And he is now an ATF instructor in Virginia now. Oh, good. But that guy was legit, man. He was like legit. Like he let me do what I needed to do. We pushed out dogs, we trained dogs and they put out, man. So I really appreciate his efforts. I like to hear when there's good people still, uh, sticking around in, you know, staying in the, in the industry somehow. So we're going to go ahead and take our second break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, all of Branch Canine. We're going to talk a little bit of present day, um, talk about the apparel company, and uh, see what we can do. So stick around. All right. We love the Perkinsons down in uh, North Carolina at Highland Canine Training. They are great people, great trainers. they got a good business model. They're awesome folks. We've been with them for a long time. Uh, They're also super smart, and they understand – that a lot of agencies are struggling to have manpower. So they're not sending people away for training. You guys have been there, you know, you put in denied lack of manpower. So they've created an online course section of their website, tactical police canine training.com. You get on there under training the online course, but here's the best thing is they offer a supervisor canine supervisor course, which we know a lot of uh, police canine supervisors don't get to go to training. They don't know as much as they should, Right here online, uh, the course discusses topics such as proper selection of dogs and handlers, proper deployment, effective allocation and utilization, as well as liability and the FLSA issues, which we know is where all the legal stuff comes from, interdepartmental. Uh, The course can be taken at your convenience, and you will receive a certificate of completion at the end. Uh, They're offering an amazing discount guys, 30% off using the discount code WDR 30. It's a no brainer. If you're a police supervisor and you guys have manpower issues, you can't go get on tactical police canine training.com under the training tab, get on that supervisor's course, man. I'm telling you, it's a smart decision. 
Another one of our favorite partnerships with the podcast here is the one and only Dogtra. The Dogtra guys have been producing some amazing tools in the dog training world for a long time. Everything from e-collars, GPS tracking, ball trainers. If it's electric and you use it with a dog, they've probably done it. They're the best. They are revolutionizing the way you communicate with the dog. I use it daily, whether I'm using pets. Uh, I use the 200C on most of our pets. Uh, most of my patrol guys will use a 1900 hands-free, 1900 S hands-free. And then I use the ball popper pretty much daily with all of our detection dogs for imprinting on our box protocols. So hit them up at Dogtra Official on Instagram and Facebook. And then you've got dogtra.com. And when you go there, if you use the discount code WDR, one zero they give you 10 percent off a single item over 200 bucks so if you're looking at a 1900 s or that ball popper pro or one of those things it'll knock a substantial chunk off there so hit them up doctor.com wdr10 so everybody knows that ted and i uh not only train police dogs we train pet dogs right we train dogs so it's why our relationship with Ray Allen manufacturing is so important. They've, these guys have been doing this so long. They knew and they understand that dogs are dogs and it's not just working dog people that need things for their dog and dog training. So you go to rayallen.com. They have everything dog related. You need anything that when it comes to dogs, pet dogs, your pet training dogs, police dogs, dogs, you're training for other departments, anything you need rayallen.com. Uh, they've got it. You can get on there. So if you're ordering stuff for police dogs and if you have a pet side, you can get it all in one, man. They ship it out. Got a nice big box full of a whole bunch of stuff. There's nothing better than getting a big box of dog training stuff in the mail. They also are great to us and they offer a discount code working dog radio, all capital letters, working dog radio for 10% off. Check them out. RayAllen.com. Great people. Ted and I use them every day. Super excited to have American Aluminum Accessories on board with us here at the podcast. These guys manufacture a wide variety of products from high quality cam locker toolboxes to an extensive line of products designed to meet the ever-changing needs of law, the law enforcement community. Around 1992, due to the demand for safe and secure transport for a local law enforcement agency's canine unit, they introduced the very first in-vehicle Easy Rider canine container. So it was basically what we now call just our inserts. They have continuously grown and expanded uh, the products, catering to the needs and the wants of their valued customers and high-profile clientele, and catering specifically to law enforcement. Over the years, as the needs have changed for law enforcement, they've evolved and expanded the products to include inmate transport systems, the canine training aids, which I use quite a bit of, canine inserts. Most of, every one of my guys has one of those things. And you know, you if you're not even have to be in law enforcement, I have several friends that are civilians that work. <laughs> lots of dogs that have the inserts put into their cars too so if you got one that fits you can do it uh they also do contraband and animal control systems just to name a few so be sure to hit them up the website is easy rider online so that's the letter e the letter z as in zebra rideronline.com if you're looking for them on instagram and facebook it's american aluminum accessories feel free to hit them up there too so our first and oldest sponsor that's been with us from the beginning is Arno out, out at ALM, uh, out there in, in Las Vegas area. Arno is a great dude. He makes great stuff for, for police work and sport work, suits, tugs. I'm telling you right now, his tugs are the best in the business. You can't get any better. Multiple colors. Uh, I, I buy boxes of them from him and give them out to everybody. Uh, I've got a bite suit from him. Love it. I've had it for a little over three years, and it's holding up like a champ. Um, Ted's got a 
suit that he's had forever from ALM. Uh, we wouldn't go anywhere else, man. We love it. Arno is such a good dude. His uh, ALMK9equipment.com is the website. Get on there. He's got pre-made suits. He can do custom suits based on your measurements. Um, he's got stuff already already made up. If you kind of get a kind of generic large size, maybe for everybody, the colors he has, man, is really cool. He can put a lot of stuff on those suits. Uh, check him out, ALMK9equipment.com, and use the discount code WDRADIO for 10% off. You know, running a kennel is one of those things that I always worry about is cleanliness and safety of dogs. And it's, it seems like it's an ever changing issue being able to house dogs and move things around everything else. So the guys at horizon structure make this as easy as possible. Literally the only thing you have to do is have water and power hookups and they deliver it and you can put dogs in that day and it's comes built, comes on a trailer. They just drop it off. You plug it in, put dogs in it and you're ready to rock. You keep them clean. You keep them safe. You keep them cool in the summer and warm in the winter time. And it's completely custom. You can go complete mild to wild. I've seen some that were stainless steel all the way from top to bottom on the inside. And then I've seen some for a, a bulldog breeder that, you know, had smaller gates because those things can't jump. So if you reach out to them, uh, they're sitting there waiting for you to call and help you through the custom design process. They have everything from two dog ones up to, uh, I want to say like 18 or 20. It's a lot of, you can put a lot of dogs, indoor, outdoor runs. So anything you've ever dreamed of, they've got it, have done it or can do it. So they've taken all the guesswork out of building it. Everything is pre-done to your specifications that it's assembled, dropped off, boom, you're ready to rock. Things are amazing. Uh, Rigney has one. Uh, we've had him on the show a couple of times. Go check out his Instagram and you can see he's posted it up there before. Go look Horizon up at Horizon Structures, spelled out uh, on the internet. It's horizonstructures.com. And you're going to look for the link in there that says commercial dog kennels. Or give them a call, 888-447-4337. They'd love to talk to you and get you started on the way. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Um Ted, you you have been up down to SOC's place, have you down in West Virginia? No, no, I haven't. But uh, I have several friends, including you, that have. So yeah, you got a dog every, from there, right? Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Aldi. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Mr. Aldi. Uh, short Aldi hair came pointer. straight from the gym. He was a German short hair pointer that was like yoked. <laughs> he definitely did not skip chest day. No, he yeah, no, he, was, he did the dog not bench skip. <laughs> no, I he came out of the he came out of the fucking transport van. I'm like, oh, yo, bro. He like I I joked with with Larry, the transport guy, Larry, uh, from Retro Canine. I was like, did they send his pre workout too, or like, what's the yeah. deal with him? Like, and he's like, he started laughing. Did, did he come I'm with like, some no, D bro. ball? Oh, seriously. <laughs> Like I, he got out. I was like, God damn, this dog is like, and then I, you know, I know, but he, yeah, Aldi, he's, uh, he's up with Jeremy right now from Wisconsin. Mm. So, but yeah. Doing. Oh yeah. No, I haven't stuff. been up there, but I've heard the multiple stories of, <laughs> believe yeah, me. So when cool, you ask man. that question, you're like, Oh, you're going to have to move to Wisconsin and, or West Virginia. And he's like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, no, it is, I'm not. it's very close to the flagpole too, man. It, that's why all those people are down there where he was talking about us because it's, you know, yeah. within a spit of the DC area. Yeah. So we, you started up uh, Olive Branch and then it was kind of, you, you're trying to grow it. It wasn't really working. What was the resurgence? What got it back up off the ground? 
Well, here's the thing, man. It's like I've learned more things from doing shitty things hmm. than I did from getting them right. <laughs> <laughs> So I was in, in the middle of a divorce and then, you know, I tried to grow a business and then, you know, coming straight out of the active duty military. Um, so I did, w- when I started trying to sell dogs, it was just right at a bad time. It was like a horrible time. Um, like every, like, like the industry was just like flushed with like, you know, labs and Malinois and like everyone was just like throwing everything out there. And then, you know, I was trying to move to California, which was the biggest mistake we made in our, in our life. Um, and so I, at, at one point I was just like, you know what, this is, I can only do courses for so long. And the appeal to the courses that I, that I can offer is only going to exist for so long. If I can't push out enough dogs, if I can't push enough, you know, you know, everything that comes behind that, it's, it's just not, it's, it's just not going to flourish. So that's where the conversation came into before when we were talking about like, like, Hey, you know, I'm going to go out and, you know, just like, you know, just go work for another company or whatever the case may be. But the Genesis was there. So all that branch canine was there. We had the opportunity to provide like courses and dogs and so on and so forth. But the issue was at that time when I started just when I moved to California, it was just like it was it was just a hot mess, man. For lack of a better term, it was just a wreck. And we didn't have the opportunity to establish ourselves within the industry. California is just like kind of it is just California is kind of a weird industry in the dog community. So um, I did. We, we were never to able to break into that. The only way we were able to break into that was the military bases, 29 Palms, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Marine Corps base, uh, NCRD, and all the, all the Air Force bases. So we were, we were able to provide courses for them, but we weren't able to sell any dogs because at that time, like everybody was going to other companies. So uh, that's why we kind of, I, I mean, we made a determination to just shelf all the branch cane at the time. And then moving forward to uh, 2014, 2015, I had the opportunity to do other courses after I came back from contracting under the Alabranch branch canine uh, TSA program. So I sold the company to a very close friend of ours, Kenny Schmidt in Mount Pleasant, Texas, who Texas with developing labs for detection work, hunting work, search and rescue. So that's kind of how that segued into uh, me leading or dissolving Olibresh. When I, I wouldn't say dissolving. I would say like shelving it and then selling it to somebody that had the confidence to Move it forward, and uh, as me as a consultant, I offer him like continuous consultation, and I do all his marketing and all that stuff. So that's where we are now. There's a lot of money in those little floppy-eared dogs, man. Uh, that's a yeah, that's smart know. if he's putting out, you know, top quality, especially for the uh, you know the competition or the hunting lines. Um, 
Well, you know, from, oh, yeah. from doing yeah. the program at TSA that man, you couldn't yeah. find a fucking lab man around this bitch. It, it was, it's hard, man. To, <laughs> to get it. And the prices went through the roof for those dogs. Exactly. So exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. We, so that's, that's kind of the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It's smart. He, he took a, he took a pretty smart route, uh, there on that. Um, he does, he doing breeding and everything. Yes. So he's doing breeding and he's, uh, man, he's just like, he's just a, a, a phenomenal, I, I don't even know how to say it, man. He, he just knows animals. And I'm just like, he's like, he's like, man, like, I don't know dogs, but I can know, I know how I can do this because he's, he raises cattle. He does like, and I'm just like, I can give you kind of a lot of insight, but you, it's going to take you to invest into developing these dogs. And he's just like, man, he's just like, he takes them all over the place. All the environmental stuff that he does with these dogs is everything that I, well, what, first of all, he does it, it. It's just like natural to him. He just like get these dogs out. He takes them out of the ranch. And I'm just like, man, stop there because that is the biggest fault in raising labs for detection work. Don't keep them on the ranch, man. You got to take them out and get them on elevators and do all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And you got to get them in places that are unconventional to these, this dog breed. And he's just like, I got it. So he takes them every, he's taking them to Dallas. He takes them all over the place. So I am very happy with the approach that he takes because he understands that. You can't keep him on the ranch. You can't keep him on the farm because these dogs will not perform in the operational conditions that they need to do to use their nose. So, man, I'm, I'm super happy. Yeah, that's 100% true. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure Ted has seen it too. There's a guy not too far from me. He's about, a, I don't know, an hour drive who has amazing labs and springers, really good dogs, and they never work out because they're never off his property. He, uh, they, they fall apart every, I try and try and try to, uh, to give him a chance. Cause I watch his dog do their hunt is insane. They're amazing dogs. And I'm like, yeah, but right. dude, he's like, yeah, they've have never been any further than 500 feet off my, you know, off the property. I'm like, come on, man. And, uh, it's so, yeah, it's, I, I, it does suck. And, uh, um, yeah, and that's something like that. that like being this close to Arkansas, Arkansas has a ton of like hunting labs and springers and pointers and like everything. Like there's a ton of working dog kennels in like Arkansas and Southern Missouri and Western uh, Tennessee and like that kind of area. And, you know, we're the benefactor of that because of the working dog side and we always go kind of the washouts and they're, and the first thing I ask them is like, it's just tennis ball. And they look at me like I got a dick growing on my forehead and I'm like, Whoa, and they're like, why, why would he chase his tennis ball? And I'm like, hey, I mean, and I kind of look at him and I'm like, well, I mean, you know, my handlers aren't going to keep pigeons in their pockets and like, we're not going to reward dogs with birds. So, and they're like, well, we've ne- honestly, we've never tested. And they say it like, and they're super crazy about it. They're like, we've never tested them on tennis balls. Why would we do that? I'm like, what the fuck else are they going to chase? <laughs> like, 
you know, and so, and we've gotten dogs that are phenomenal on birds because they've hunted. And then you show them a tennis ball and they're like, I about that. I'm like, what am I going to do with him? They're like, well, he's got to hunt. I'm like, yeah, but it's the wrong kind. They're like, no, it's the same kind. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not like, because he hunts for bird doesn't mean he's going to hunt for drugs or explosives. Like, it's just, it doesn't work that way. And I'm like, how am I going to reward him? Am I going to put a fucking bird in the fucking ball launcher? I mean, like, what? like how, how are we going to, uh, how about how are we gonna... I dare you? Do that. Well, they look at me. Burn the ball launcher. And and I say this, and these people that are going to hear this are like friends of mine from Arkansas and these other places, and like people I respect, and they're really good bird dog trainers. And I'm talking shit. I'm not really talking shit about them, but I'm just like, what? It's the same thing. I'm like, what am I going to do with these dogs? Like, I mean, I'm not going to carry birds around in my pocket. Like, how do I reward them? They're going to chase shit that I, I mean, like, and they're like, oh, pray is pray. I'm like, eh. It's not. <laughs> it's really not though. Like it's not the same thing. Like I, I don't have I don't have whippets doing drug work, right? They'll chase rabbits all day long, hey, but hey. they're not chasing drugs. So <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. And they're like, Oh, but he's a great dog, but he just tears tear stuff up. And I'm like, Well, I <laughs> like I don't know what to tell you. Let, I mean, let, let me let, let me interject real quick, man. Because um, if there's still people out there doing that. That means that that is a unexploitable opportunity for us to go out there and educate them about what they can do to be successful. Oh, I know. We had Freddie King on, and he's great. So, Freddie King is awesome. He lives in Arkansas. He's a fantastic bird dog trainer. He's probably the best bird dog trainer in the fucking country, and I'm going to get shit mail over that. But uh, he's fucking fantastic. He does a great job. And then, like, when we're talking to him, and he's like, I don't have any idea what you guys do. <laughs> you know, and he's like super, super good at what he does. And he's like, but I, don't, I don't have any idea how they do it. No, I don't either. I don't fucking yeah. hunt. I go to the grocery store. Like, I don't hunt. <laughs> so, I, there, the, and so, like, what we want out of those dogs, and it's an interesting conversation because we use them for the same things, right? So, it's right. always interesting to me when Absolutely. I have bird dog people reach out to me like we had this dog wash out and I'm like, uh, I get really weird. I'm like, well, <laughs> what, like, why? Like, what did he do? Or what usually he aggressing do? the bird if it's a competition dog usually. Well, yeah. And they tell I me that I go, his mouth's too hard. He tears stuff up. I'm like, yeah, I'll take him. <laughs> uh, they're like yeah he's right, great right but, he, but he's like he he's, he like bites stuff i'm like oh yeah yeah that's fine like, that's that a lot yeah, yeah, yeah i'm sucks that sucks i'm sorry <laughs> sorry that happened try. i'm sorry that happened but um what did he tear up and they tell me like he tore birds up or he did this and i'm like oh that sucks i'm sure it, i'm sure it was terrible oh, for you oh. so about that <laughs> like i'll take him and you know does he like tennis balls and they're like well we don't know i'm like oh, i'll figure it out <laughs> we've gotten some good dogs that way i'm like i just say i'm like oh we'll figure it out and you know we do the conversion and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and sometimes they want to chase it with feathers on it and that's fine and i've had some dogs i had a department that wanted a dog that i tried to convert to like that they wanted him to track also which wasn't going to happen and i was like yeah okay fine i'll try no, it, it was not going to happen because anytime anything moved, he was not. It was it was a fucking shit show. Like, he was great for detection, mm-hmm. right? Like he'd, he'd search a car, no, like he'd search a car. But if you had him ask him to track, and like if a leaf moved, he was like, "Oh shit, it's a fucking bird." And it was the worst. Like I was like, yeah. "No, he's he's not going to do it." And they're like, "Are you sure?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm a hundred and ten percent sure this is not going to work." <laughs> 
he'll find drugs, but he's not going to find people. So like, right. just let him find <laughs> drugs and be done with it. But they, right. they wanted that. Right. So anyway. So one of the, um, one of the other parts of your bio is it's funny because the canine industry to get in, as you know, to break into the canine industry is difficult. Um, I, I said this on a podcast one day. I said, um, listen, if you're a military handler currently, as we're talking or, or police department guy handler, and you think you're going to get out and start a police dog or con- uh, police dog training business where you're oh, getting yeah. dogs, training them, selling them, you're wasting your time. It that is episode, yeah, yeah. It is so set up. It's so it's not impossible, but you got to be in it. You know, willing to uh, stomach easy. a lot of <laughs> shit, man. For the other yeah. industry that's as difficult as anything to break into is the apparel, clothing industry. I thought um, you were going to say podcasting. <laughs> no, podcasting is, obviously is fucking easy. Right here we sit. Um, right. So, uh, yeah, like everybody says, yeah, you, you're glutton for punishment, obviously, but, um, what, what happened? Did you, how, how did this whole thing come about? I I can't imagine it was a, a dream. It had to spark from something. Um, no, it definitely wasn't a dream, (laughs) but here, this is what, what, this is what I got to say, man is that um, like I bite off my, I take micro bites into everything that I do. Mm. Okay. And then, um, and so in those micro bites, I take into, uh, to understand that what is the appeal to what anybody does within any specific industry, whether it's um, firearms, um, tactical application, um, canine, whatever the case may be. And so over the years, I kind of combined like this, this vision about like, Hey, I know guys want to do what they want to do. They want to be comfortable. They want to look cool, but at the end of the day, they want to stay dry. They don't want to be cold. And all those things apply to what, uh, myself and my wife have formed in the last year or so in um, uh, over public or canine apparel. And so within that, uh, man, we are almost, we, we are trying to uh, grab a niche into performance wear for dog handlers and being very specific to dog handlers about what you guys, what we do, and what anybody does across the entire domain of a working dog, search and rescue, special operations, law enforcement, military, um, all those things. And like I said, man, I'm taking bites, like small bites, and to see what is the flavor. Um, but again, like every veteran has, <laughs> every across the last, 10 or 15 years, like, I'm going to start a t-shirt company. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Like, like design, yeah. design cool shirts, and then, and then, and then you, like, see how that goes. But, man, really, I, I am just, like, like, this is a contribution to my, my end state. My end state is just, like, tr- trying to provide something, with, whether it's training within another company, 
um, or, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a peril for the application for law enforcement, uh, dog handlers. But I, I, I'm trying to bite into that niche about like what you wear under your body armor as a law enforcement officer, whether it's a soft shell armor. And that's what my wife, Michelle, brings into this because she spent 20 years in designing body armor for the industry. She was actually, um, she designed, she designed the first body armor for the CAG guys that went out like way back in the days. So, um, so that's what she brings into this. She's been selling, um, you know, like body armor, um, tactical apparel and all this stuff for the last 20, 25 years. So that's what she brings into like her contribution about what, um, I feel like is applicable to the law enforcement community, like a, you know, a hundred percent or, you know, a Rylon or, or, uh, you know, a, a t-shirt. I got you. Yeah. We are looking at specifically, yeah. Performance wear, performance wear that allows operators to go out there and do their job under body armor. They can go out there and work out in the gym. It, that is kind of our, uh, our focus. And I, I will, we're trying to really stay away from, um, just, just putting something out there that's not, um, man, I, I don't even know how to say it. It's just a, a shirt that looks, you know, that, that's not, you know, it's not applicable to that performance wear genre. So, so I was a cop for 27 years and I can tell you that cops, if it's black, then some bitches will buy it. So get, make it, make it yeah. really good and black and you will sell a lot of them bitches man i tell everybody you got, i know guys i'm like listen if they had a holster for anything you would buy it tactical block of wood with a holster i gotta have this block of wood gotta have it <laughs> all that shit on it is cops cops have no I money know, but they can be some gucci mofos man i bought a white t-shirt t-shirt no, the other it, day, it, and my girlfriend was like she, she was like, "Do you have this? Is like the only white T-shirt you own?" <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, you know." And I don't wear it that often, so it's mostly black. <laughs> but it's dog's fault. It's the dog's fault. <laughs> but I mean, I'll tell you, finding the way under that body armor and under all that stuff, especially you know in the summer, everything like that, it's gross. It can be so gross. It is. So it is, man. And we're trying to, we're trying to just like think of like, like really just like, like, like we know you got to wear this shit, but we're trying to give you something comfortable, man. I, I go out with these guys that I work with and I'm just like, God dang, man. I'm just like this running. We, we run for miles and do whatever under body armor, whatever, you know, you guys know how that, that feels, but I'm just like, well, what, when you get that shit off, like what feels good? You want to Taking wear like it off a, feels good, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, take it off. Oh, absolutely. Like, ah. like, like the undershirt. How does that? How yeah. how does that feel mm -hmm. on your body? And does it stay? You know, just 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 providing just an option. That's yeah. that's our whole my, approach. Well, my thing was always brilliant. to be able to take off my vest if I. This is before I was in K nine and I didn't have a take home car take off my vest and stuff, leave it in the locker and whatever I was wearing under it, I could drive home without making yep. my car disgusting. 
Yes. Yes. Your personal. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> it's so it's that's the goal. Absolutely so right. that's our that's our our business focus. Um, but so you got the you got all that stuff going on, but you still are keeping a foot in what you love, in in, in the position that we mentioned. Um, doing the uh, training advisor for down there at USASOC. Um, we're not going to get obviously yeah. into too much, but um, right. how's that going? Do you love it? Is it uh, amazing? No. I'm sure you're seeing amazing people. We know a lot of these folks, this, a lot of the same folks. Um, what does that, what does that a training advisor gig look like down there? Man, first of all, I want to tell you that I am completely blessed to be offered this opportunity. And, um, and the reason I say that is because, um, you know, like we had this conversation about what I was doing in Iraq and all that stuff. You know, a guy with my background, even with being in the Air Force, you know, there, there's a lot of just like, oh, this guy's an Air Force guy. He doesn't know what the, what he's talking about. And when I was uh, contracting in Iraq, uh, you know, working with high threat protection, a lot of guys that I was working with, they were with from the special operations community. And, but I had to, you know, just, just push forward. And, you know, by the grace of God, I was able to just like, you know, my, my work, what I did, it just demonstrated like, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. So moving forward to uh, to my current position, it, it was kind of the same situation. You know, somebody that I knew from somebody else that I knew uh, reached out to me and said, like, hey, man, um, like, are you even potentially interested in this position? And, um, you know, uh, I said, like, hey, if the compensation is good, you know, we can talk about it. You know, I'd be interested in coming down there and, and having this conversation with you. Um, I'd be interested in having that conversation and then we can go from there. Um, so it just it just worked out uh, like I. I was very happy to uh, be involved in a community to where it was just like guys that were just put out and. Um, and I was very impressed with the program and at, at this point it's it's flourished and my contributions are um in as an advisor i, I really think of myself as, a, as an advisor these guys have the total tactical application about what they need to do and from my experience i just like apply what i think is beneficial to how they can apply how they 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 put their dog forward and, and do what they need to do with their dog. And, uh, it's, 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 uh, been a really great experience. So being air force, former air force, and you're down, you're, you're with, uh, some the green dudes. Was there some shit talking? Are yeah. They, uh, breaking balls is uh, what, what do we got going on here? Oh, absolutely, man. But I love them. I love, I, I love these guys, man. Like legitimately, like um, if it wasn't for um, the introductions and it was, it was just a really good, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it, man. I really don't. Like, I felt like I was just like, 
from going from from the TSA program in Denver <laughs> to coming up to where I was at uh, at this place that I'm working at now, man, I was just like, it was just a very welcoming experience. It was just like guys that were just like very passionate about what they did as operators and they wanted to learn. They were very passionate about, about what their skill set was. And so another thing that I want to like, you know, to disclose is that I have two uncles that were Green Berets, man. Um, I have an uncle that was a third group Green Beret and I have an uncle that was a seventh group Green Beret. So being a Green Beret was just like very appealing to me. I just didn't have that opportunity growing up into like move into that. But I always respected them. So every, you know, I don't think there's anybody within the law enforcement community or the military community that doesn't look up to somebody that w- that came before them that was very impressed with them. And so I always looked up to my uncles that were seventh group guys and, and third group guys. And so um, being, this was just like my like greatest thing, man. It was just like, I was just so happy to be involved in the community that was doing what my uncles did back in the days in Vietnam, you know, Mac V guys and all that stuff, man. It was just like, like I wanted to be involved in this. And then it was just very, it was a blessing. Really. It was to, uh, to be in a situation to where I could talk to guys that were like, you know, green berets and that were, um, that were, you know, irregardless of the canine stuff, but um, that I was able to like help, help and bring them along to make themselves better. And I tell you right now, man, these guys, they put out, they put out because they understand that they have a core competency about what they do as a Green Beret, which is their language aptitude, their core competency skills as being jump masters, dive masters, snipers, whatever the case may be, but the dog stuff is completely on a separate realm for them. But they do that, but they're very proficient in that. And to see them do that as proficient as they do all their other stuff, that was that was very appealing to me. And see them to continue to do that moving forward, irregardless of what's going on in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever it is, they continue to do that. They continue to move forward to project that capability and that mindset. Man, it's, it's super impressive to me. And that's why I love doing this job. So being as a uh, label uh, with the, you know, the job as advisor, you still able to sneak in and throw a leash on somebody or are you putting a suit top on every once in a while or what are we doing here? <laughs> You're not just oh, standing yeah, around man. with your hands I, in your I pockets? Just... No, 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 no. So, um, so I, I, I supplement like, um, I, I'm, I'm able to like, yeah, man, I, I pull dogs or whatever the case would be. I mean, I mean, shit, this morning I was out there spraying dog runs out, you know, every morning. So yeah, that never so ends. Never ends. Never no, ends. I, I, no, I did that no, twice no, today. No, actually, no. I did that. I did that twice today. <laughs> Remember no, at the beginning, I said, at the beginning, I said, I took October off. That is why I got just <laughs> tired. Uh, One day I went in, I go, I, I can't, I can't take another diarrhea blowout, man. I gotta fuck them dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I may have 
sent that to somebody <laughs> like yeah i have some guys defend me sometimes they're just like you know a has been sprayed shit for 20 years man just leave alone yeah, <laughs> exactly just like yeah yeah i mean yeah, it is what it is but yeah man i i you know we all it it, it definitely is a team effort so uh, let me know when I can do a shout out because I want to do a shout out to a bunch of guys, man. But whatever. Go ahead, do it right oh, now. Yeah, 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 do it now. I'm saying dust off K9. Uh, shout out to Ben Raider from. Uh, yeah, my my boss's boss uh, from Olive Branch K9, Kenny Schmidt. Uh, shout out to uh, to uh, Chris Jackman. Uh, I don't know where you're at, man, bro- brother, but I love you. Uh, Shout out to Pat Nolan, man, repping Pat yeah. Nolan across the board. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, Dr. Stuart Hilliard, uh, one of my greatest mentors. And shout out to the, the DOD breeding program down in San Antonio, Texas. Man, love you guys. Stay strong. Here's something really weird, man. Brady is he's here uh, in Canton. He uh, had a class. I know he is. Yeah. So he he had a class a, a trainer was bringing him in. I think that for whatever reason got canceled. So a couple of local guys banded together, got some stuff going. I sponsored two slots for two guys in his class. That was today. I think Brady and I are having lunch tomorrow. Um, oh, good. Good. Yeah. He's got a, good. he's, he, he messaged me about an hour before this podcast. He's got to uh, do some, you know, put some med kits together. And then I, th- think he's going to pop over he's staying the hotel he's staying at is literally three minutes from my pet facility so uh we, we like off brady. the record man um i like like that brady is uh man I'm, I'm like super impressed with that guy man he's just like uh but that's why i stay in this game man he's hungry he's hungry stay hungry yeah. that's what i always tell him stay hungry i hope he's hungry tomorrow because we're gonna go to lunch so um <laughs> So real quick, we're going to wrap it up. How do we promote your, the apparel company? Do you have social media? Do you have a website, anything? Where are we at on this? Is this still just the beginning stages? What are we doing? No. So uh, you can look up uh, on Facebook, Old Republic of Canine. And then on Instagram, Oro Canine. So I made that intentional because, you know, try to keep it true to my, uh, you know, my, my brown can, Auto Canine. So it's like Old Republic of Canine Workwear on Instagram. So, so Oro means uh, gold in, in Spanish, but O R O Canine Workwear on Instagram. But on Facebook, it's Old Republic Canine for the apparel line. But hey, don't forget, you know, Olive Branch Canine, you know, oh, yeah. out there, like, yeah doing stuff and then uh oh yeah by the time you get off by the time you get off this interview you already like i already tagged you anyway so uh, you'll see it but (laughs) yeah i just found it on the on facebook the uh, apparel company so i'm I'm, uh, not trying to be rude but i'm looking up i see do i have to say do i have to roll the r to find it on instagram yes you got to do like three r's yeah. Okay. Well, so what's the yeah like what's the oh, there it is exactly just, so like how do you how do you spell that hey i already follow oh, it i didn't even know that yeah, how awesome. do you fucking spell it <laughs> o-r-o-k-9 workwear yeah. there you go yeah man. Oh, man. r-o-k-k letter nine workwear 
on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then on, on Facebook, there, it's like Old Republic Canine. You're doing good. You got to post every day. You're doing good. There you um, go. Yeah, man. I'm 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 trying to just move it forward, man. But hey, 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 I got a I got a five year plan. I'm gonna move back to Texas. I'll be bailing hay, training dogs, and uh, pushing out like workwear. Bam. Hey, can you still get like ran- a ranch? Can you still get property without going broke in Texas, or is, is it expensive? Enough? Yes. Yes. Yes, brother. Not around That's Austin. I'm moving back to Texas. <laughs> anywhere no, not, but around. Not, not around Austin. Anywhere but around Austin. Oh, no. that that's the joke right now people are like if you're you're from texas and they're like oh austin and you're like no that's not what i mean (laughs) believe me i'm from oklahoma like i believe me i hear (laughs) i we see it and we hear okay so 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 if you can um so i forgot to i forgot to mention uh top tier tactical who is nah. who is a company that that prints our T-shirts? Top Tier Tactical, Tactical is actually out of uh, Oklahoma City. Well, at Midwest City, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's Oklahoma City. Top, yeah, 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 Oklahoma City. Top Tier Tactical. So that's yeah. who we we are partnered with to uh, push out our apparel line, man. I mean, um, Nate and Ted Nugent, man, these guys are legit, man. All right. Top tier tactical. I'm looking them up. Okay, got them. Yeah. What about you? Top tier tactical. Not gonna do it while you're doing it. So uh, yeah, they're um, talking. I'll do it. Yeah, good. They're, sorry. They're, yeah, that's top underscore tier underscore tactical on Instagram. Um, yeah, top tier tactical in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Yep. Man, I should. I I really should have gave them a shout out even before that because uh, man, they, they've been working with us too. So the whole idea behind um, Old Republic of Canine is I really wanted to make it a Texas-centric apparel line. So everything that we do, man, is just like it has a a Texas flavor. So if you go to our website, everything is just like, you know, even our logo is designed behind, uh, you know, you know, the Tomahawks, the uh, Texas Republic influence. And you know that that's that was our intention because we're eventually going to move back to Texas, and uh, that's what we wanted, you know, moving forward. All right, yeah, I'm uh, Ted. I, I heard you ask me. I'm at uh, Van S Canine on Instagram for working dogs. That's mostly where you're going to see stuff. I did tie it into my Facebook. Uh, oh yeah, bro. <laughs> hey, brother. Yeah, yeah. We we've met before. Yeah. We met at Hit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was probably quite drunk. So um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's sure. the thing. I, I probably was. If, if we have a booth, <laughs> if we have a working dog radio booth at Hits uh, or one of the conferences, we stand there and people bring us beer after beer, shots, drinks. I'm like, guys, uh, like we still have to teach. We you gotta. I mean, I appreciate it, but give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> bring me a drink oh. and a water. I, I'll I'll last all night. Trust me. Don't worry. Bring me a fucking. So what about you, Ted? Where are you at? That's bring me a not a red Gatorade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, Torchlight Canine, letter K number nine, Torchlight Pets. Uh, same thing on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, my personal Instagram is Tender Square Summers, which is where I post a bunch of stuff with this stupid puppy I have. His name's Sapporo, by the way, like the beer. Mm-hmm. And he is a yeah. shithead. That's a and, Japanese beer, right? Yeah, he's, he's a Japanese he's a Japanese beer and not a Japanese dog. 
He is full on Belgian Malinois. He is a shithead. Super nice dog. I got him from Holly. Holly Benitez. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what he's going to do with him yet. Like, I don't know. (laughs) But I'm doing a lot of stuff. Like, I'm doing the dick stall thing with him with tracking. So, uh, people that want to keep track of that. Like yeah. he is, uh, that, that is super successful right now. Um, I'm doing that with the patrol dog. Um, but I have known Kevin or well, Kevlar, Kevin, whatever, uh, that we're doing the same thing with. So I have a puppy and I have a patrol dog that I'm doing. That's not a puppy <laughs> that we're doing the same thing with. So we're doing the multiple things and we're doing it for our Patreon people. So on Patreon, we have that as well. Um, we're going to put that up and then I have the videos edited for all of the, the pointers that we had, uh, early on, uh, a couple months ago, several months ago for, uh, Patreon members too, for, I have one for, uh, that's, he's going to go to explosives and I have two that are going to stay on, uh, narcotics that we have that edited up uh, that I'm going to post up over the next couple of weeks for Patreon members, how we did an indirect and a direct reward, uh, food reward for everybody, uh, at puppies that were about 10 to 11 weeks old. So like pre even pre green status, just to kind of like, I was doing it for like a project for guys who were working for us. So, um, it's an industry project. Um, but yeah, like all that shit is available on Instagram and Patreon and everything else. So, that's where I'm at. Um, hey, can I do one more shout out, man? Yeah, of course. Gotta, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, hey, hey, man. So uh, I just want to send this out to um, all the veteran, disabled veteran business owners. And um, this, this is one of my favorite memes, man, is uh, nobody hates a successful veteran like other veterans. So, like, let's try to just, like, change that culture and just, like, just, like, come up, come together, man, and just, like, support other veterans that are out there uh, doing work and uh, putting really good stuff out there. So whether it's in the uh, tactical community or the dog industry. So that's all I want to say. Yeah. Cool, man. That's awesome. Well, A-Rod, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, It was a good time. I'm glad we uh, were able to get this lined up. Um, It was, uh, it's good. It was, you, you've had a very interesting career and you're still a young lad. You got, you yeah. yeah you're yeah, like man. my age come on man <laughs> yeah. right like yeah. you, know, you don't have this gra- fucking white thing going fucking on. grandpa eric is like oh you've done this not for fucking 100 hey, really? years so, really? yeah, oh. yeah. Uh, and he's like oh yeah no this is a backhanded compliment for sure so 100 <laughs> percent. Uh, no it was uh, like no you're fucking yeah. old yeah no right. you suck no, I, right, am, so. I am man <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, guys. We'll see you. Yes. Uh, we'll see you on the next one. You got your reasons. And I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother, D-E-G-E. Blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.